This podcast is only for the attention of professional investors in the financial industry. Outer Blue by Amundi. Welcome to Blue Research. Knowledge sharing on financial research. Hello and welcome to this Blue Research podcast. Climate change affects how societies function and it also affects global economic activity. Unless it is properly addressed, such effects will only continue to grow in intensity and frequency. Olamundi, as a responsible investor and a leading innovator in green finance, is committed to supporting investors in integrating environmental, social and governance issues into investment decision-making. Amundi's quantitative research aims to identify the financial risks and associated portfolio exposure levels in a clear and transparent manner. Well, today I'm joined by one of the team's quant researchers, Theo Luguenidal. Hello, Theo. Hello, Tim. Your paper, Credit Sensitivity to Carbon Price, won the Grassfee 2020 Prize for the best paper in climate finance in Imperial College. Now, before presenting your paper, could you tell us a bit more about this prize and your research objectives? Yes, of course. The Global Research Alliance for Sustainable Finance consists of more than 20 global research universities, including Oxford, Imperial College, Stanford, and others, each with expertise in the field of sustainable finance. We were already much honored by the selection of our paper for this prestigious conference hosted this year by Columbia University. And we are extremely pleased our paper won this prize, and I would like to thank again the Grassfee Committee and everyone who played a part in the organization of this podcast in this complicated sanitary context. Before entering the subject of our paper, I wanted to underline the importance of private and academic partnership in general. My co-author Vincent Boucher and I are both PhD academic students with a foot in real business activity. As pointed out by Charles Donovan from Imperial College, our situations create a context where we naturally try to produce research answering the operational needs of the investment manager community in my case. Okay, well, thank you for that introduction, Theo. Now let's get on to what your paper, Credit Sensitivity to Carbon Price, actually puts forward. Our paper proposes an approach to measure transition risks. These risks arise from the necessary shift to a lower carbon economy. This paper was prepared in a context where transition risks have been flagged and most of the transmission channels, such as technology, regulatory, or consumer behavior, have been identified by specialists. The problem is, transition risks is a rather self-explanatory concept until someone asks you the formula to compute them. The literature on the subject is therefore growing, and we explore and summarize it in the first part of our paper. Then we choose to focus on the carbon price first impact on companies' economic activity. And why have you chosen to use the carbon price metric? Carbon pricing initiatives are emerging at varying speeds depending on countries. We refer to the Nationally Determined Contributions, or NDC, the set of targets fixed by countries to define their objectives in terms of emission reductions. These regional targets generally correspond to the implementation of an effective price for carbon emissions for each tonne emitted. This is currently the most concrete action taken to reduce emissions. Our question is simple. What are the risks of bankruptcy associated with a variation of this carbon price? To answer this question, we measure the risk of bankruptcy of companies of the MSCI World Index using a theoretical academic model 
given different pricing scenarios in varying horizons. And so tell us, Teo, what did you find out exactly? In terms of quantitative impact on credit risk, we found that first that the financial risks become material only in the most severe taxation scenario. This scenario are defined from the EPCC reference, allowing to remain under the two degree requirement. The second main findings is that comparing horizons reveal that the current average taxation level are far to represent the financial risks, but are also far to be compatible with acceptable greenhouse gases in reduction. We note, for example, that the minimum required average price for a two degree scenario would be around 50 US dollars per ton of CO2 in 2020, while more than 80% of the emissions are still very much under this threshold. Risks are concentrated on intensive sectors, also by definition of the first round risk assessment we used. In GIG's classification, we show that utilities, materials and energy are the most impacted, which actually makes sense. Utilities gather energy producers among other things. Materials gather steel or cement, that we know to be intensive, and energy, gig sectors, gathers businesses that are related to fossil fuel mostly. Of course, risks in other sectors are relative to indirect emission scopes, and quantifying properly the risks is therefore less straightforward. In fact, this finding is in line with another paper published by the Quantitative Research recently on carbon risk management and carbon factors. We showed in this paper that the market perception of the risks, the carbon beta, really is carried mostly by materials and energy sectors. We also propose new approaches to monitor this risk with this new beta from a factorial fashion and in a theoretical minimum variance framework. Well, thanks for sharing those findings, Theo. Could you tell us a little bit more now about how these results should be interpreted? Of course, these results must be treated with some caution. Companies' level indicators such as revenues, debt, equity volatility, or even carbon emissions are constant in our study. On the other hand, we also published a working paper on carbon emission trajectory monitoring, where we showed, for example, that utilities are one of the only sectors which carbon reduction slope is in line, or at least in the direction of the Paris Agreement. Therefore, one should consider all the research material together to better understand carbon risks. And so it seems there is room for improvement to confirm these results. What are the main limitations and therefore what could be the next steps? To improve the risks measure at the company level, we have to integrate potential dynamics, reactions and maybe sector-specific behavioral models. This dynamic adaptation of companies might include a rise in the product sold, for example, to increase revenues to balance the operating expenditure, transmitting the carbon cost through the value chain. I really wanted to insist on this point also because a paper describing cascading effects won the exact same prize last year. This paper was published by Complegrio et al. This paper introduced a top-down methodology using a sort of uh, input-output framework to assess how the stranded capital of each sector impacts other sectors. I really like this paper and I think it would be truly interesting to combine the two approaches. However, in our case, if we want to keep using a bottom approach and also because we need to for operational needs, we need to introduce the supply chain data. So, Teo, the stress-testing bottom-up methodology is the true innovation in your paper. Could you describe this concept of the stress test for us? Yes, indeed. 
We aimed to describe the transmission of the carbon price to real economy in a simple and proper way. In simple words, we at first computed the total carbon expenses by summing price emission in of each company over each country's it operates. This is the carbon accounting step. On the second step, we remove these costs from the earnings and see if they can maintain profitability. This is the economic accounting or corporate finance step. And last step, from a financial perspective, we then test if companies' probability of default is sensitive to the reduction of earnings. Okay, well, thanks for putting it in those terms. Could you elaborate for us a little bit? In this paper, we modeled each step in the simplest way we could. For example, to estimate properly probability of default, financial institutions will most likely use their own financial valuation model instead of Merton. Indeed, Merton's model is highly theoretical standard to describe corporate probability of default only used in academic contexts. In this model, bankruptcy occurs if the total asset value of a company at maturity is less than the face value of the debt. We can also stress other transmission channels than operating expenditure, for example, revenue through impacts on demand, capital expenditures for efficiency and technology, reserves or production capital, or even market impacts. We tried to provide a view as exhaustive as we could of these channels in the literature review, but we did not consider them all so as not to confuse the message. In all, even if there is room for improvement, we think that our approach allows describing financial risks related to carbon price variation better than carbon intensity only because it takes into account both regional emission splits and capital structure of the companies. And it appears that you also developed a metric to capture this risk. Could you tell us a bit more about it? Of course. Our methodology measures a centralized sensitivity to carbon price. We introduced many scenarios and horizons to bridge the gap between academic optimal price recommendation and effective carbon price. But the price is the only influential variable in this trust test. We could integrate other elasticities and other things, but it wouldn't be anymore. But for now, it is. Therefore, it is possible to use our model backwards and to determine how much the price would have to rise to make the probability of default to go beyond 50%. Doing so, we defined for each company the carbon price margin or threshold. Using this metric, we show that risk is not only determined by carbon emissions purely, nor carbon intensity, but that the margin or threshold of company were distributed differently. We don't have a strict linear relationship between the two. From a quantitative perspective, this finding really shows that determining credit risk associated to transition, in particular carbon price in this case, uh, requires integrating more information in our model, which we are constantly trying to improve. And here, just to wrap up, if a company wants to monitor its carbon bankruptcy ratio, which indicators should be most closely managed? This is a very interesting question. Our view is that one must distinguish agents' environmental activism or decarbonization objectives from risk management. This is really two dimensions to distinguish. If we focus on reducing negatives, absolute carbon emission is the indicator to consider. However, the interconnectedness of both physical and financial systems 
would reveal that simply cutting down emissions might have consequences spreading far in the value chain and the overall impacts are hard to estimate. And what about from a risk management perspective, Theo? Of course, each company must optimize its revenue implied by its activity. It also wants to remain attractive for investors. Therefore, it is important to monitor the distance between the average effective carbon price in the country it operates and the one that would cause its bankruptcy. The sensitivity to each business to the variation of the carbon price, the carbon price margin as we define it, or the market perception, the carbon beta, are therefore the most valuable metric from a business perspective to make sure to be in line with the forthcoming regulatory requirements. And so what role can, for example, financial markets play in holding companies to account? Financial markets' purpose is to finance the real economy, but it also can behave as a very simple reward and punishment system. If lenders, asset managers and every financial institution keep their eyes on corporate actions regarding carbon reduction, it will have a direct impact on their coming choices. And maybe for some specific businesses, cutting emissions now is not the best choice, or maybe there is no other option available. Steel is an example of industry which might have to remain intensive or at least won't be able to drastically reduce its emission in the medium term. But from now on, one thing is sure. These companies will have to very carefully justify the strategy to convince investors despite the potential emissions. Okay, well, thank you very much indeed, Theo Le Guinidal, for sharing these thoughtful insights with us today. And thank you to you for listening. Please do join us again soon for another Blue Research podcast. This podcast is only for the attention of professional investors as defined in Directive 2004-39-EC, dated 21st of April 2004, on markets in financial instruments called MIFID, investment services providers, and any other professional of the financial industry. Views are subject to change and should not be relied upon as investment advice on behalf of Amundi.